Welcome to the Cap City Church podcast. This is a recording of our Sunday message. We pray that you're encouraged and challenged as you listen to it. Enjoy. If you want to grab your Bibles, we are in Acts 2. Well, that's right, this morning we're going to be reading again. And as I was just praying, um, I was like, people were like asking, they always ask you, are you ready? You know, on the Sunday, people say, are you ready? I'm waiting for a day when I'm like going to be able to say, no, not at all, actually. Um, but I was like, I think I am. I think I know. I think I'm listening. And as I was just kind of hearing God and changing a few things, listening to what was being said. And just as we were singing this morning, and I was just like, God, this is about your spirit. And, and I know I'm going to talk about your spirit, but there's other stuff going on. What's going on? And just as we were worshiping, and I think the songs really said it all. I was like, the key to unlocking the spirit is just understanding how much Jesus loves you. And it was just, it dropped into my spirit this morning that the key to unlocking the, the spirit, the presence, the power, the purpose of the spirit in our lives is to really, truly understand just how much Jesus loves us. And so that's my hook. If you want a hook for this morning, that's the one. And I'm going to do my best to, to, to be faithful to what it is that God has given me um, and, and what I've prepared this week. But but I just sense in my spirit this morning that we need to have a revelation again of just how much Jesus loves us. Just how much. And so as we go through this scripture, as we go through this passages, just have on your heart, Jesus loves me. Wherever that place is for you, whether you're broken and you do believe it or whether you're broken and you don't, Jesus loves you. So to put Acts 2 in a bit of context, the disciples had been charged by Jesus not to leave Jerusalem, but to go and wait um, until, and in Acts when it says this, until the Father sends you a gift he's promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but just in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's in Acts 1. So they waited in the upper room of the house where they were seeing. Jesus had ascended to heaven uh, around the festival so it was about 10 days before this. It was, it, like we said, last Sunday would have been Ascension Sunday, but we're looking at around 10-day period of that. And, um, and the festival of the Passover was about 50 days before this. So I'm just putting in a bit of historical context for us. So this time um, here, the time of Passover, would have been called Shavuot in the Jewish calendar, um, known as Pentecost, which was the Greek word uh, Pentecoste. I'm going with that. Luke's not here. He can't tell me I'm wrong, which means 50th. So we know that this this day would have been about 50 days after Passover. And Shavuot was the festival of weeks. So there were were three pilgrim festivals in the Jewish calendar, three times in the year, where the Jewish people from across the known world would uh, would have taken a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And this was one of them. It was originally a festival that marked the start of the wheat harvest. And at the time, thousands upon thousands of Jews from across the known world would have been descending on Jerusalem as part of this pilgrimage. So put it this way, if you wanted to make a statement to the Jewish nation across the world, this would be the time and place to do it. It would have been Pentecost or Shavuot. So in Acts 2, we're starting at verse 1. I'm going to read scripture. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit 
and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. Verse 5. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Now, between verse 9 and 11, 14 different areas are mentioned, all having their own languages and probably different dialects. And I'm not going to go through them because when I was reading them myself, so this will become messy and we'll kind of forget that that actually what they're trying to get across here is that at least 14 different languages and plus the dialects of those areas were being spoken to the people in front of them. All of whom, they had all had different language and the people of God, uh, Jesus' disciples, were speaking these 14 different languages. It says this then in verse 11. We all, we all hear this, so that the crowd are saying, we all hear these people speaking our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream, dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike. They will prophesy. I'm just going to pause there. That is an incredible statement. I will pour out my spirit on all people. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and cloud of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Skip down to verse 36. He goes on to say this. So let everyone in Israel know for certain God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sin and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. I'm guessing here because it doesn't say it in the scripture, but I imagine when they were in the upper room waiting, there would have been a range of emotions from the disciples. Some of them would have had anticipation, some of them maybe bored, some of them skeptics, some of them hopeful, some dejected, some anxious. And it would have been understandable for them to feel overwhelmed after Jesus had died. And they may have been chomping at the bit to get going and moving, but Jesus had told them to wait. How often do you spend time waiting? Not fixing, not managing, but waiting. 
When Jesus ascended into heaven, it was about 10 days between that day and the day we have read about. And 10 days, it doesn't seem like a long time, but in other ways, I would imagine that it probably felt like a lifetime to those disciples. They'd spent every day with Jesus for three years. Every day. They weren't doing anything else. They weren't charged with doing anything but waiting. Do we wait for the presence of God or do we get bored or distracted? When we've received a promise from God and it hasn't happened when we think it should, do we try and take control of the situations? How often do we wait when an answer isn't readily available? Abraham in the Bible, he messed up big time because he didn't wait. God had promised him descendants and there weren't anyone, any coming, so his, him and his wife Sarah did atrocious things to try and force a promise through and it messed up every, everything from there on out. From the day that Abraham had the promise from God to the day that he had Isaac, which was the fulfillment of that promise, it was about 25 years. Could you wait 25 years? 25 years. 10 days, 25 years. Moses were told that he would see the promised land. But because of a moment of unbelief, God removed that from him in his lifetime. Moses dies in the wilderness. About 1,500 years later, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses appears with Jesus and Elijah. That mountain was in the promised land. God's promise remained faithful even after death. Could you wait until the next lifetime? Could we wait? This may not be the message we want to hear this morning. Everyone's like, holy goodness. It may not be the message we want to hear this morning, but being a Christian isn't a golden ticket to an easy life and having all of your prayers answered. In fact, the only thing that we're told in Scripture and the only thing that we can be sure of is trouble. (laughs) I'm sorry to say it, but the promises of God will always be faithful. I'm going through a season of waiting myself and I'm learning so much. So a long time ago, I've seen a long time ago, within the last year, God gave me a picture and this picture keeps developing and developing and developing and some of you have heard this story and some of you haven't but the very start of this story started with me being at my lowest and I put this black backpack, I can see it in my mind's eye, and I put this black backpack down in front of me and at that moment... God told me to wait. And I was looking at this backpack and I thought, oh, thank you, God. This is all the burdens I've been carrying and all the weight and all the rubbish and all the things that I shouldn't be carrying. And I'm so glad I've put it down and I want to turn around and walk away from it. I've had enough of this stuff. I can't be doing it anymore. And God said, wait. And as I waited, and I waited for a long time and this picture developed and developed and developed, I just saw this backpack again in my mind's eye a couple of months later as I was waiting. And all of a sudden, God revealed to me that this backpack wasn't burdens and anxieties and struggles. This backpack was the gifts and the blessings that he'd given me. And I put them down because I was making a choice in that moment. Now, if I'd gone on my first instinct, if I hadn't have waited, if I'd got, just gone, all of those burdens and talents, I'm going to, all of those burdens and, and worries and anxieties, I'm going to turn away from them. And you know what? I probably would have spent the next five, six, seven years thinking I'd done the right thing. 
But something would have come up in my life and I would have felt unfulfilled. I would have felt unfulfilled. But I waited. And that waiting was the hardest time. And if I'm honest with you, I'm still not sure I've yet picked that backpack up, but I know I've got to. Because I know that was what God has given me. And I know it's heavy. But I know also that in his scripture, the promise is that his burden is easy and his yoke is light, or the other way around. And so I'm so glad I waited. There are things in your life that you are seeing or you're thinking and you just know that there's a prompt in your spirit and God is saying, wait. Then wait. Don't try and fix it. Wait and God will move. Are there promises in your life that haven't been fulfilled? Ones you were sure were from God but hasn't yet happened. I don't have the answers for you and we don't have the beauty of hindsight like we do with Abraham and Moses to read their full life story. We can't read our life stories. For me, all I know is that the Spirit kept prompting and promising even when I didn't want to hear it. But the reality is, is that the reason that I stayed wasn't because the Spirit kept prompting, but because I knew who Jesus was. Because the Spirit reveals Jesus in my life. And it was hard and it was difficult and I didn't want to stay there. But the Spirit kept me, kept me in that spot. And it's because I had years and years and years of knowing and trusting in the faithfulness of who Jesus is. In your waiting, don't lose hope. In this life or the next, God is faithful. And we can ask his Spirit to guide us. So for some of us, we need to wait. I remember being in a tent once in Soul Survivor years ago and I was struggling with something, I can't remember what it was, but I remember getting up from uh, all of my friends and, and I was just, I'd had enough and I was really struggling. And I stood just outside the doorway and it was this massive tent, you can see this big circus tent, it had different, different walkways on it and I'd walked out of one side, walked all the way around to the other side of the tent and I wasn't really listening to the speaker and it was an absolutely glorious day, like no winds, no cloud in the sky, it was beautiful. It was just like you could hear the birds and, and it was, but I remember walking around and I had these just heavy burdens and was struggling. I think now like heavy burdens, I was a teenager, I didn't have heavy burdens. That's not true. But at the time it felt like my life was over, you know, that kind of thing. And just as I was stood in one of the doorways and I was stood a bit back from it, all of a sudden the speaker said, I can feel the spirit of God descending in here. And I promise you that as he said that, I felt this almighty rushing wind, not coming from behind me where it should, but from inside the tent, out past me, through me. It was like something was pushing all of the air from the tent, from the roof down. Do you know when you push like a pump, so all of the air goes down and then out? That's what it felt like. It felt like the air was being pushed out of the tent from the roof, and the only place that this air could escape was through the doorways. In that moment... In that moment, I remember it so clearly, all of my worries and my upset and my anxieties disappeared as I realized I was standing in the physical experience of the Spirit of God. As I was preparing for this, this story came up because it said that there came like a, a mighty rushing wind and people heard it and they moved. God, by his Spirit, 
had physically moved by his power and I'd felt it. Jesus said, greater things you will do than I. Do we believe that? Do you know that within you is the power to see people set free, to see people healed and see people released? Actually, do you know that within you is the power for you to be set free, for you to be healed and for you to be released? And that's not because of you, but because of the spirit within you. It says there is power in the name of Jesus. And it's because of the spirit that dwells within us. He has made his home in our heart. Because Jesus knows that's what we need more than him on earth. It's the power of his presence. Let's be honest, some of us get scared or skeptical about the power of the presence of the Holy Ghost. People use those phrases. And we, we struggle sometimes with the physical manifestations of what the Spirit comes up with, and we're a bit like, oh, do we believe this or do we not? And I was having this conversation with some of the guys here, actually, when we went to the, we went to the conference, and we were, we were, afterwards we were talking. And, um, and it was like, what did you think of this? What did you think of that when they did that? And, and I was having the same thoughts, and I said, yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. And I was like, let's, let's make a, different, a differentiation? Is not a, it's a word. Yes, got it right. Let's make a differentiation between uh, content and style. Content and delivery. I could not deny that the person on the stage had met Jesus, believed in the power of the Spirit, and was delivering what he believed to be true. Now, his style and delivery, I struggled with. He was screaming at us, basically. He told us to stand up and sit down, constantly asking for affirmation. I was like, come on, mate. But there was no denying that that guy had spent time in the presence of Jesus. Somebody stood up afterwards and said about him, do you know that this man has literally been sat for three hours this morning praying for you? I believed it. Because the way that he spoke, the truth that came out of him, if I looked, back, looked past the style, the content was Christ-centered. I think we do get scared or skeptical, but actually, when is it that we see God? And when should we see God when sometimes we don't? Sometimes we explain it away. Sometimes we, uh, we want to believe it's natural causes. We want to believe that, um, that it's just normal, everyday things. And God can move through those things. So we should see God in it. So there was, um, I was going into hospital... I don't know, so many times. Three years ago? Yeah, let's go with that. And um, I was getting ready to, to go into hospital. I was feeling pretty chill about it. And then about two weeks before, I can remember being stood in my kitchen. You might have heard this story before. And something, some fear descended on me. And I thought, I'm not going to wake up. I just had this sense. What if I die on that table? What happens? And I remember, to, I turned on the, again, I can see it, like I've got such a clear memory of it. I turned on the kettle, and that day, there were two groups on Facebook that had been praying for me. One was like a women's group, and the other one was like a worship group. And they both um, sent out messages to pray. And I just happened to look at my phone, and my WhatsApp was kind of blowing up with the group from the, 
uh, worship team. And then my Facebook was blowing up with, with messages and stuff from people saying they're praying. And as I stood in my kitchen, listening to the kettle, which I hate the noise of a kettle. I, I know I'm just distracting myself, but the noise of a kettle really annoys me. Anyway, let's turn the kettle on. But as I stood there, all of that fear that I'd been holding on to for at least a week, I hadn't really told anyone about it because I didn't, I didn't want to. Just all of a sudden, just I felt it as if it had gone from my head and it was just pushed out of my body, out of my feet. Almost like a shower, a just but inside my body and it was all disappearing and the fear disappeared. And I couldn't, you know, I could say to you, oh, God gave me this scripture and God gave me that. And I felt, but genuinely all I felt in that moment was, I'm going to be okay. There is no reason for me to have gone from being sure that I was going to die on the operating table to knowing that I was going to be okay. But from that moment, all the way through and all the way through my recovery, I knew I was going to be okay. I knew it. I can't explain it to you. But the power and the presence of the Spirit dwelt in me that day. I did something new. I think the power is evident when we expect it and when we look for it. We often want to explain it away because of our past experience or worry. But you know, we can be bold in asking God. We can ask for breakthrough or for healing or for clarity or for finance. We've just read that waiting is good, so asking should be natural. God, I'm going to ask, and then I'm going to wait. In Luke 11, it says this. Um, I hope it's up on the screen. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father... May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon and give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield into temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are in a bed, I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Your fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Do you have the courage to keep persisting? To keep knocking? To keep asking? To keep holding your nerve and waiting? The only way that you can do that is to know who Jesus is. We ask in the power of the Spirit, but it comes from the understanding that Christ is who he says he is. Now, the thing about prayers is that they're not just for our benefit, but they're actually for the benefit of his will and his kingdom. 
You know, it's not looking for a fix yourself, but looking for the promise of the Spirit to be your guide and your advocate and your helper who will answer your prayers, maybe not in the way that you want, but certainly in the way that you need. There is a difference. So lean into the power of the presence of God through his Spirit and whatever state you are in, the Spirit of God is within you. It may feel far away at the moment, but he's there. And his spirit will guide you towards him. Peter, who on this day delivered the speech of a lifetime, I think anybody who speaks looks at this and goes, oh, I'd love to be able to speak and 3,000 people come to Jesus. He, his, this, this speech is literally the beginning of the church. But 50-odd days before that, he was denying Jesus. He was at his lowest place. Peter, who had been so sure when he knew Jesus, so eager, the first to everything, he was convinced of who Jesus was. He denied him. But Jesus restored him. Do you know that Jesus cares about you? Listen to this from what we've just read. So let everyone who's in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sin and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, your children, and to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. How deeply would have Peter felt the words, each of you must repent of your sin, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. How deeply would Peter have felt those words? By the power of the Spirit, Peter delivered them but under the knowledge of how much Jesus loved him. If you are hurt or broken, Jesus is the healer. If you have sinned or are feeling you are far away, Jesus is the restorer. And if you are standing at a distance or unsure if you're saved, Jesus is the savior. For this promise is to you, your children, your family, and to those far away. Amy or Ewing said something recently I loved and I wrote it down and I just want to share it to you. It's, it's this, it says, we have a traumatized savior and we see that on two levels. We see this in Christus Victor or Christ victorious over sin and harm and abuse and evil and darkness. And through the cross, he's utterly victorious over that. We see that sort of superhero theme. She goes on to say this, but in Jesus, we also see God willingly being subjected to the most profound physical and psychological trauma known to human beings. And Jesus suffers that to demonstrate to us the love of God. So if you feel alone, abandoned, devastated, misunderstood, when you look at Jesus, you see a God who himself walked through trauma. 
our God saw his people. And the reason 3,000 people were saved that day at Pentecost wasn't because Peter used fancy words, but because he was obedient. And it wasn't because the disciples had a three-point plan, but because they were charged with the Spirit. And they were so desperate for the presence and the power of the Spirit of God and for his kingdom. And because they knew that what he said was true. Because they knew that what they had learned was real. And they knew that to be anywhere else but in the presence and the will and the power of God would be unfulfilling. So they listened and they waited and they obeyed when they were called. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And most of those disciples lost their lives as a result of it. They were willing to die for the truth of who Jesus was. And the Spirit gave them power. If you've never read the story of Stephen, I just encourage you to read it, because basically it gives you the Old Testament in like a shorter, shorter space of time. If you struggle with the Old Testament, just read what Stephen says. And he isn't even one of the 12. But he is so sure of who Jesus is that he stands in front of the religious leaders and he boldly proclaims the truth from start to finish and he dies as a result of it. Despite our mess-ups and despite our circumstances and despite our failings, God still shows up because Christ is the Redeemer. And Christ is the one who gave us the Spirit. He will show up for you, for me, for our families, for our community, for those who are far away, if we only have the boldness to wait when he asks, ask when we need, and go when he requires. And all of that comes not just from having the Spirit within us, but knowing truly beyond a shadow of a doubt who Jesus is and what he's done. I just want to take a few lines from today. First is this. So if you feel alone, abandoned, devastated, misunderstood, when you look at Jesus, you see a God who himself walked through trauma. So if you are hurt or broken, Jesus is the healer. If you have sinned or feel, or feel as though you're far away, Jesus is the restorer. And if you're standing at a distance or unsure if you are actually saved, Jesus is the Savior. And by the power of his Spirit, we can and will see amazing things happen. Do you know Jesus? Do you understand how much Jesus loves you? What the, what the cost of the cross was? The Spirit moves within our lives on the bedrock of the work that Christ did. Christ is our Redeemer. And we've sung this morning, we've sung of who Jesus is. And I just have a sense that for some of us we're far away, or for some of us we're just struggling with life, or for some of us... This idea of the Holy Spirit is great, but we can't quite put the two and two together. We can't quite 
urge ourselves on forward. We, we're not sure. It doesn't seem like there's that power or we get prayed for and we feel good in that moment, but it doesn't strike us. We don't move into the next season. And to move is to understand who Jesus is. Really understand who Jesus is, what he has done for you, how he has saved you, how he's redeemed you, how he continues to stand in the gap for you. I'm not quite sure how to respond to this moment, so in light of our talk, maybe we should wait. Because God will talk to us. He'll talk to us individually, he'll talk to us corporately. But let's just wait for a moment in the quiet and let's do our best as we wait, just not to get distracted not to start thinking about Sunday lunch, and I shouldn't have mentioned it. But as we do, just there's a, Pete Gregg says this phrase in, in Lectio 365, uh, Lord, we center my scattered senses. And just pray that as you, if your mind starts to wander. And let's wait on Jesus. Just for a moment. Got the lyrics to that old song, Jesus, my Redeemer. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Jesus, my Redeemer, who's the name above all names, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, O for sinners slain. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Thank you, Father, for giving us Jesus, for making a way, and for leaving your spirit with us so that we have power and presence with you here on earth. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about us, visit our website, capcitycardiff.org.uk.